one of the most important things I think you can be as a leader is an effective coach because without that, that primary objective is being to bring out the best in others and also be able to drive results through others. You're missing such a key part of the toolkit. This is the Leadership 480 Podcast. Hi, leaders, and welcome back to the Leadership 480 Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Alms, and today we're going to talk about how to have better coaching conversations with your team. The idea of a leader as a coach is certainly not new. It's been around for a few decades now, but it's still one of the most challenging and essential parts of a leader's job. And while you might not see the inspiring movies dedicated to leaders who are great coaches the same way you would see a famous sports coach, I promise it's every bit as rewarding when you get it right. You could make a movie about your life as a great coach. And that brings me to my guest today, who's going to talk to us about how to get those coaching conversations right. I'm happy to welcome Dr. Patrick Cannell to the Leadership 480 podcast Patrick is one of the consulting practice leaders here at DDI and has worked with many, many leaders over the years to become better coaches. Patrick, welcome to the Leadership 480 podcast. Thanks, Beth. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. So let's start with just kind of the basics. Can you lay it out for me? What does it mean for a leader to be a good coach? And what's the difference between coaching and just honestly regular day-to-day management? It's a great question. And it actually comes up a lot too in my conversations from leaders uh, as well. So it's it's a good thing. I think a great place for us to start. Um, a few things really come to mind. So, and this is from my own experience, um, also working with leaders as well, but then also what's the research and what's happening too in this space uh, from a research perspective too. But a, a few things really stand out. So first is, I think really top of the list is being willing and focused on actively listening. It sounds really basic, but if you're not really fully engaged in listening to what that other person is telling you and being able to really absorb that, you're not going to be help, able to really help them bring a new lens or make connections to things that are happening within their context or in their role. So that that active listening allows you to, to really dive deep, but also to really build trust too, which is obviously paramount mm-hmm. as a coach. Um, I feel too, you know, in role as a coach, I always try to bring this to my coaching engagements is helping that person reframe their thinking and providing a new insight. You know, they walk away from that conversation knowing something about themselves or some new insight that they didn't have before and providing them with a new lens about themselves. And and obviously that can come from different areas that can come from the discussion itself, probing questions. Um, insights from maybe an assessment that's part of that coaching engagement, but helping them to reframe and provide a new lens and also being willing to challenge. Uh, Hmm. I think a good coach is there to help not just to listen, but to challenge thinking and to help challenge, to lead that, help lead that person to self-discovery. And so I always start my coaching engagements with that expectation that I'm, I'm here, I'm going to here to listen. I'm going to help you make, make connections but I'm also going to challenge you in places too, um, to to really bring out some of that additional reflection and and get us focused in areas too that must be most impactful for you. Um, the final one I'll say too, and this has become more of a 
a focus for me too, personally, just as I've tried to evolve my own coaching um, approach, which is um, focusing on the whole person. You know, a lot of organizations are also taking this type of approach too, in terms of focusing on not only employee experience, but employee well-being. I think the same intent applies to your focus as a coach as well. So what are you, what are you practically helping them to maybe work through, but also those, those situations don't happen in a vacuum, right? So how do you really make sure you're bringing a whole person focus to those conversations as well as a coach? Oh, I, I love that because there's always something else going on with people that, you know, why they're reacting might have nothing to do with the situation itself. I'm I'm curious, though, as I'm thinking about, you know, if I'm a manager and I, you know, am looking to coach my employees and and in the everyday, um, you mentioned kind of, you know, as you sit down and you think about what you're going to say in advance, you know, sometimes we have opportunities to sit down with our direct reports and like really plan out you know, here are some things we need to talk about. And sometimes we don't. Um, It happens at the moment. So are there common moments that you see that are really effective for coaching, whether it's planned or unplanned? Yeah, I think, first of all, that's very realistic. Probably every leader who's listening to this podcast would nod their head around (laughs) having unexpected coaching moments. I had one this just this morning uh, as well. So that definitely resonates. I, I think it, it comes down to the person's need, right? So I always think about in those moments, am I really able to zero in on what that need is in that unexpected moment? And am I able to really address it for that person and help them think it through? So that's the primary North Star. I think, though, the ones that I feel like can be the most impactful is, um, especially when there's a real-time challenge that maybe they're working through, you know, it just surfaced on a meeting they just have or they have a meeting coming up in a short amount of time and there's some new information that's thrown a wrench into things and they're not sure how to handle it for example i've had really impactful conversations where you can really zero in in that moment and help them feel prepared for that challenge um or on the for the con of that where there's stretch opportunities that maybe have just mm-hmm. surfaced that they have to step into. So something unfamiliar, they're unfamiliar with how to navigate a new situation. They've never had to tackle that before. There's some nervousness, there's some anxiety, there's some guidance that's needed. And so as a coach, if you're able to, again, address both the practical needs of that situation, but also the personal needs that are at play, because it's usually both, you know, and have that person really feel set up for success for that particular situation, that challenge, that's, you know, that's when it really, I think, all comes together in those unexpected moments. That's really interesting. And I'm I'm thinking about the fact that um, for most of us, our, our natural reaction is like, you know, in, in those unexpected moments of you're just going to react to whatever it is the person is saying and, and things like that. But I'm wondering in those moments, like, do you find there's like a little light bulb that goes off that's like, ding, this is a coaching moment. Like, <laughs> don't just react to what they're saying, but would flip your switching to a, a coaching mindset that maybe you weren't in before. I do. I hear that ding all the time, right? <laughs> Just <laughs> in our conversations or? <laughs> we know we know that ding. That's in personal and practical situations, right? But um, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going you're gonna to get those cues, right? And usually it's because the person, A, has reached out, but B, is struggling with something or has expressed to me that they need help on how to navigate some type of situation, no matter what it is. And I think this is, you know, this was a learning for me early on 
um, from a coaching standpoint where, and I think I've seen a lot of leaders also, this is an area that they can struggle with initially, is equating coaching with with fixing, right? Oh, so yeah, right. So there's a problem in front of you, especially those of us who have our very strong problem solvers. Maybe that's how you know we've advanced in our careers because we were able to fix things and find a solution. So it's a comfort space for us too. And so when our team members come to us with a problem, our our first reaction may be, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to fix it for this person. And to your point about sort of that ding moment, that's where, you know, I, especially earlier on in my career as a leader, I had to really listen to that ding and take a step back because every part of me was maybe wanting to jump in and solve that problem for that person because I had solved a similar issue before, maybe in the past, or I thought I had an answer and instead lead with questions that are going to help that individual start to uncover what's the right path, the right right solution themselves with your support and guidance. And that's where it shifts from just fixing the problem to an actual coaching conversation, in my opinion, because again, you're driving towards that self-insight, that self-reflection, that self-discovery that's going to allow them to address that issue or that problem, but also it's going to allow them to build capability that they can solve a similar problem in the future, maybe without support, right? And that's that to me is probably the distinction in those some of those moments. So what you're saying sounds really straightforward to me. Like I like I understand it, but it sounds like one of the hardest things to actually I'm say it sounds straightforward. Do. I'm like, like theory. Great. I am on board. <laughs> like stop stop problem solving and start coaching. But it's just really hard to do that always in the moment when you're used to something else. And I'm um Curious if there are, whether it's that part or other parts of coaching um, that you really see managers struggle or the things that they have a hard time getting right, even if they're like, sounds great, but it's really hard for me to practice this. Yeah, I think there's two, there's sort of two things. So areas where I see leaders struggle, I struggle this with this myself and where we can sometimes get it wrong as a coach. Right. So I talked a little bit about that fixer mindset. So lead, leading with just fixing as opposed to actually coaching that person through finding that solution in tandem. Right. Um, I think, too, as well, we lead sometimes with more telling than seeking. OK, so one of the most powerful tools we have as coaches is, I think, to ask the right questions and to layer different types of questions. So. A lot of times, um, and anytime I'm thinking about a, a coaching engagement that I have coming up, I'm really thinking very um, intentionally about the questions I'm gonna ask to start to peel the onion with that person in their context and maybe whatever challenge is maybe top of mind for them. So I'm gonna ask questions that are gonna get more at the context. You know, what is what is their business context? What is the context of maybe this issue or this challenge they're trying to solve, right? I'm gonna ask questions that get more at the why, so causal questions. So why is why is that an issue? What's driving that? Why do you think that is, right? But I'm also going to be layering in challenge questions as well, which are hard to sometimes really formulate and insert in the right places, but they could be some of the most powerful tools. And this is, you know, with those more challenge questions, you're asking them to imagine a different outcome. You know, what would it look like if you were actually able to change this aspect on your team, 
right? What kind of benefits might you see there? Okay, then what does that mean for you then if you're gonna be able to drive that outcome? Or imagine a scenario where your team is really follow, you know, firing on all cylinders and they're able to solve a lot of these day-to-day -day issues that you're stepping into right now. What would that do in terms of being able to impact your focus as a leader in your role? You know, so questions like that to really get them to step out and again think a take a new perspective. And those those are sometimes the questions that get mixed if you're too much in the sort of funnel mode of trying to solve that problem for that person. Um, the other piece, again, I've this conversation is so therapeutic. I feel like I'm <laughs> saying areas <laughs> that I struggle with as well. That's what I'm here well. for, Patrick. You you let know? it out. <laughs> that's right. There's this, there's a double bonus here. Um, but I've you know, in all seriousness, where I I made mistakes as well as a coach early on is with lack of follow up. So you have the conversation, it goes well, the person person feels equipped to take it on, but then I wouldn't follow up post to really understand, well, how did that mm -hmm. turn out? You know, what was the outcome? Yeah. And not just to see how it turned out, but what are the reflections from that, right? So what did you do? What worked well with it? What were some maybe surprise insights or new reflections that you have? And would you do anything differently afterwards? You know, that, that reflection, I think, is, is sometimes overlooked, and it's such a key part of, you know, trying to drive more of that self-discovery, but also be able to build the capability for them to be able to approach those situations more confidently and more effectively in the future. You know, those are great points, and I think it's one of the things that, um, you know, I think so for many of us, when you think coach, you think sports, and like the analogy comes to your mind so immediately of like, Oh, I get it. Like a great coach is, is someone who's not the center of attention. They get their team to perform. Fabulous. However, when I do think of a coach, I also think of someone who tends to tell versus ask. They're the ones who are always going, hey, try it this way instead. Or I want you to practice. I want you to do this instead. And that's where it can get a little tricky as you think of the telling versus the asking questions you mentioned that is, you know, in the workplace so much more powerful where it comes full circle for me is that what you do get from a sports coach is usually the the performance piece of afterward, you know, after the game or after whatever you went and did, like, it's like, hey, you know, we saw, you know, you struck out two out of four times or whatever. How, how do you feel about that? What's going to happen next? How do we fix that problem next time? So getting the results you mentioned, like, that's the great part of like, they do do that. And that that is such a missing piece of it's not just go think about how to be better and best of luck to you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's, I'm going to say something that sounds really simple. Um, the concept is, is, is simple, but the application of it is not. And that is finding the right, the right balance between seeking and being more prescriptive because mm -hmm. there are situations as leaders that we've, we've all faced where you do have to be more prescriptive in the moment. Maybe it is a very high risk type of situation. There's high urgency, You've really got to direct one of your team members to take quick action. It's got to be the right action. So you've got to lean more on that prescriptive approach. But then there's times as well where maybe those factors aren't as apparent. There's less urgency, less risk. Uh, you have more time. So you can lead with more seeking and and then, of course, balancing that with guidance and support as well. So it's, you know, as coaches, we have to make, based on those situations, we have to adjust and be pretty nimble on finding that right balance. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting piece. And then I was also curious around 
Um, there's been a rise in recent years of things like strengths-based coaching. I've heard about things like that. And I'm curious in your thoughts of like, you know, so in strengths-based coaching, the I'm going to boil it down, but to the basics of just, it's helping someone identify, leverage their strengths rather than focusing on the weaknesses. Whereas sometimes you think about coaching as more around the weaknesses. And I'm curious about your perspective. For most leaders, do you think that a strengths-based approach works? Does that cause issues or cause things to be overlooked? Because I'll, I'll be honest, my reaction to it is, that sounds really nice and like it would make me feel a lot better, but I'm also a little worried that like, what about the stuff that honestly I'm not that good at and I need to know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I And I get this a lot from folks that uh, maybe I've been coaching or other clients as well. Um, I'm actually, I think there's a lot of value to strengths-based coaching. Um, you know, our strengths are usually what people notice about us first. They're actually what a relief big, that is. I thought it was right. The hopefully, <laughs> yes, that's the intent, at least. Right. That's what I tell myself before I go to sleep at night. <laughs> um, but they tend to be pretty apparent. They are big drivers for why we have achieved success and why we are where we are, because we've been able to leverage those strengths well. Right. So it's a key part of the puzzle. And I'm, I actually think that model also is, does another really important thing, which is it brings strengths to the surface because human nature, and this happens, I do it myself. This happens almost in every, not every, but very many con coaching conversations that I have. Where do we go as humans first when we're doing self-reflection? We tend to go where we feel like we have, we're doing things wrong, or we have weaknesses, or we see gaps yeah. within ourselves. We go straight to those places. And it's not like those places don't matter, but they can, they can quickly overshadow the strengths that we bring to the table. So, mm -hmm. All that being said, I think there is value in that approach. The nuance that I would add to it, and this is you know, my point of view, DDI's point of view as well, is again, to bring back to this concept of balance. It's both, right? Mm -hmm. So really making sure that the individual is has good self-awareness uh, or what, what their strengths are and how to best leverage those. And then what are also development opportunities that they have as well that deserve some attention and focus and bringing more of that holistic focus to the conversation and to the approach from a coaching perspective. Um, I think that's, A, it's more holistic, it's more balanced, but the other really important benefit of that is it, it allows to surface the connection between your strengths and your development areas, because you may have a strength that's more natural that can help you with the development area that you have. So those things can go hand in hand. Um, you know, for instance, I was working with a leader not too long ago, actually, um, this person was more of a, a senior leader. She was very confident, uh, great presence. That's some that person who could really step towards tough situations. Yeah. And that was a huge asset for her. I mean, think about in meetings with her peers, meetings at executive levels that really resonated quite well. Um, but it could be, I'll use this term, like a strength overused at times mm -hmm. because she wasn't pivoting that approach with her team. And as a result, she could be perceived as sometimes intimidating or folks, her folks on her team were scared sometimes to bring things to her attention because it could be, she would sometimes take over the conversation because she could be so confident and comfortable in those scenarios. 
And so we worked a lot around how do you leverage how do you leverage that strength of confidence? Because that's going to give your team confidence, but it's got to be more nuanced in how you actually deliver that approach when you're having conversations with your direct team versus at more senior levels. And so how to pivot, how to pivot that conference in a way that's going to be more um, aligned to the audience was something that was a big aha for her. That is really nuanced and, and so effective though. I mean, that I've, that's a really common situation, I think, for lots of people who don't realize that their own uh, sense of calm or confidence about things can actually sometimes cause other people to be reluctant to ask for their their help, their coaching, things like that, because it's like, well, they've got all the answers. They're <laughs> they're not mm-hmm. going to be able to help me. Um, I am. I'm wondering, too, the other like related to that is sometimes. um it can be hard to see when you're the when you're the leader and you're you're helping someone else, especially if it's an area where, that you're very good at. Um, it can hard be hard to sometimes see how someone could develop into that. You know, it's sometimes you, you get in this fixed mindset of like, I just don't know that they're capable of this. How important do you think mindset is when you're coaching others? And how do you start to switch that thinking of like, I just don't know if they can do it. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, and I think it it brings into, into the picture a couple of things, right? One is this concept, I'm sure probably a lot of people listening have, have heard of around this notion of a growth mindset versus a fixed mm-hmm. mindset mm-hmm. as well, right? And so, um, and there's been a lot of research and a lot of emphasis around how do you drive a growth mindset within your leaders, within your organization. Um, I personally think there's a lot of power to that. Um, and as a coach, you really need to have a growth mindset yourself. Um, and because you've got to bring to these conversations a level of curiosity, you've got to be willing to probe to uncover insights, both spoken and unspoken. You've got to be able to make connections, et cetera. And when you're thinking about your you know, folks on your team, you know, I've, when I've reflected on this as well in the past, you know, what, what is that person's potential and where could I see them going? And also what data do I have to support that? Mm-hmm. Right? That's mm-hmm. been places where, you know, if I have, I feel like I'm, and maybe more of a fixed mindset about a certain individual. And that can be uh, someone on your team that can be a peer, doesn't matter. Sure. If I find, if I feel like maybe I'm slipping a bit of a fixed mindset about a particular individual, um, being willing to challenge myself and think about, well, what data would I have that would support that or go against that, right? And are there some biases that might be coming into play too? And is are there some questions that I can start to ask to test some of those biases, mm-hmm. right? And possibly gather new data that would give me more of a, an unbiased perspective. So, I mean, there are times when you're coaching someone and there's they there is maybe a ceiling there, right? And so, um, or there's there you may not be able to get them to the final destination that they have for themselves, or that you maybe thought that they might have as well yourself personally. But um, how you're able to gather data, insight, and calibrate along the way, and challenge your own assumptions, I think, is a way to stay out of the trap of just staying in a sort of fixed perception about that person or a fixed perception about yourself as a coach. It goes goes both ways. Oh, yeah. That's a really um, great way to reframe that, I think. But I do want to talk about 
biases you, you mentioned. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll give the caveat that I think most of us, you know, most of us are biased and, and unintentionally. So we don't, we don't intend to purposely be exclusive of anyone or, or there's anything about it, but I have heard um, from a number of friends, colleagues, family members of situations where people feel like they don't get as much coaching as other people who are um, either they're, they're closer personally to the manager or they are sort of like a protege of the manager, very similar to the managers. Um, and as a result, you know, people feel like they don't have the chances to grow because they're not they don't share some of the same background or share some similarities with with their manager. And I've also heard the reverse from some managers about, um, you know, with with coaching, there is sometimes it's it's not criticism, but it's coaching for improvement. Right. It's it's things you did that maybe could be better. And there's sometimes some fear from managers about um, giving coaching to people who they're not as comfortable with, whether it's because they're a different gender or background or whatever, they are afraid that they will not come off right or their comments will be misconstrued and so they avoid it. So how do you think leaders can break some of that bias and go about coaching more equitably? It's an important call out. And, and the longest question ever asked, by the way. So. No, I'm tracking. I'm tracking. There's a lot baked in there. So, um, but it's an important question. Uh, and maybe let me unpack it in a couple of different ways, if that's okay. So, absolutely. Uh, one is I've heard um, similar, and I've 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 had feelings of that myself as well too. We're all all of us are more comfortable maybe in certain spaces than others, and if you can feel uncomfortable and you don't want to say the wrong thing, I think that's a natural thing that a lot of that we as humans just experience too, whether it's from a coaching perspective or just in our daily life, right? So I think that's a real reality that's there. Um, I think the second is too, we all are, we can fall victim to biases, right? And so in thinking about your teams, you know, asking the question, am I, am I being a bit more, am I being biased to maybe the level of coaching or support that I'm providing to my team? I think it's an important question we should all ask as leaders uh, from that front. And so, Two things um, that I've personally applied myself, um, as, as well as working with other leaders, is thinking about doing first some self-reflection. So to address that question. So either by yourself or I've seen a lot of power coming from doing some self-reflection with a trusted peer where you do start to think about, do I have any biases? If if I do, what are they? Um, where am I most, most likely to spend my time? you know, across my team from a coaching perspective. Why am I doing that? Sort of what's driving that? Are there real reasons for that? Or are there some things that maybe I'm doing because I tend to be more biased in a particular way that's driving that behavior? And as a result, what what missed opportunities might I have? So I think doing asking yourselves those questions, and like I said, I think the power of doing that with a partner who can challenge you can be, can be pretty powerful. Um, the other is, in those uncomfortable situations where maybe you feel like I just don't want to say the wrong thing, but I still want to lead with an inclusive mindset and I want that to resonate with this person, you know, how do you how to do that effectively? And I I try to practice this myself because I've I've seen it in action and it's very powerful. Um, 
and I've seen it across a number of different leaders, but the power of leading with transparency and and vulnerability in those mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have an example. This was early on uh, in my career, um, just joining um, just joining the organization. But I had a new manager. Um, anyway, and I I personally identify as a gay man uh, as part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and early in my career, you know, I was in a meeting, my manager was part of that. And there was a situation where a comment was shared that was inappropriate. Um, and, it, and it targeted more to the LGBTQ plus community. And so I felt, um, it, I, I definitely felt it in that moment. It was not the person's intent for it to come across that way, uh, but it was there and it really wasn't acknowledged, but it was, it was moved on and so forth. And I remember my manager at the time sort of approaching me after that and saying, um, you know, I just wanted to check in with you around what just happened there. Um, you know, I can, I don't have the same perspective as you, obviously, but I know I was personally offended by it and I wanted to get your perspective on that as well. And I just want to make sure, just want to check in with you and how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And my boss at the time was uh, was a straight man. Um, so this was, and I could tell this was a bit uncomfortable for him to broach the topic with me, but yeah. what I appreciated about it was um, he led with some vulnerability. He stepped towards it. He was transparent and it was clear that he had my, um, he had the best intentions um, and my best interest at heart in having that conversation. And he wasn't just going to let it slide, which would have been the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so I try to remember that example, how I felt in that moment, how it helped me really have trust in that leader. And I, yeah. I in those situations where I'm faced with something similar that's unfamiliar or uncomfortable, I try to adapt some of those same principles. What I love in that story, Patrick, is um, that your boss asked you how you felt and said, I was offended, but didn't even assume that you were, because you might've said, mm-hmm. oh, I, I mean, I don't know the comment, but maybe you said, I, you know, really, I wasn't offended and it's not something that's an issue. Okay, great. You know, but they just asked how you felt. They recognized that it was a potentially uncomfortable, they felt upset by it, but, um, you know, they didn't even have to go, they didn't have to go into a whole story about why it was offensive or why you should be, because maybe you didn't feel that way at all. And what a great way to handle it. Um, I'm, I'm interested too, and, you know, so that's a great story of how coaching can really change trust, change performance, change how people feel about their teams. Um, and maybe I should have started this question in the beginning, but as you've seen coaches, as you've seen leaders become better coaches to their teams, how have you seen that change their own performance and as well as the performance of their as the people who report to them? I've seen it in a number of important ways, I would say, and I know I've experienced it myself as as well. Um, I think first and foremost, you think about our role as leaders. One of the primary charges we have, like a North Star for us, is to help to drive results through others. Right. You're not Mm -hmm. driving results to yourself. You're empowering others to have an impact. Right. And so to me, if you're not stepping into coaching as such an effective lever to accomplish that objective, um, you're, you know, we're just completely missing the boat from that perspective. It's almost like we're swinging at 
the wrong ball, uh, if that makes sense uh, from mm-hmm. that perspective. And so, by the way, I should never use sports analogies because I'm the most <laughs> unathletic person ever, but that's my best attempt. Don't ask me to do another one. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, no, that's that I think that's the that's also the mind shift I see with a lot of individuals who are just new in leadership roles as well. And I went through it. I went through it myself, which is it's you can't you can't have the impact that you want if you're not able to step in and coach think courageously is the word I'm looking for. And what I mean by that is you've got to step into the more straightforward situations. You've also got to step towards the hard situations. You've also got to surface situations that are not going to land on your plate, but that you've got to seek those out. Um, so you, it's really putting one of the most important things I think you can be as a leader is an effective coach, because without that, that primary objective is being to bring out the best in others and also be able to drive results through others, you're missing such a key part of the toolkit from that perspective. Yeah. So let's say if you're, you, you eventually master this, you know, it becomes the way you, you lead every day as a frontline leader and um, you, you become a great coach. And, you know, sometimes at the frontline, there's, it can be a little bit easier when you're coaching people in an area where you have a lot of knowledge, a lot of expertise, um, and you become great at this. But as you maybe move up the ranks or as you take on more different functions of people who are doing jobs you've never done before, or maybe you're leading other leaders, how does coaching start to change as, as you develop as a leader? I think it's a really important question to ask. Um, and, you know, even the most experienced coaches would say they have not mastered coaching, right? It's, it's, it's a continuous journey that each of us are on. And even those that have been doing it for decades are still um, seeking opportunities, looking for opportunities to elevate their approach and even further hone their, their approach. Um, and it's a, but it's a very natural feeling. I, I think we do feel com- more comfortable coaching in areas that we're familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, right? And that's, and we're, usually that's where we're pretty good at it too, because we've experienced it. We've, we've had the lessons learned that we can pass on. We know what can go wrong. And then we can keep folks out of some of those pitfalls, right? Based on our experience. Uh, but to your point, um, we start to progress. That level of familiar, familiarity is not going to be there all the time. And as your, yeah. especially as your scope increases, right? I'm, I'm living that right now. Uh, as, as well. So managing folks in, in roles that I've never had personally uh, mm-hmm. as well. So your question is quite timely, actually. This is, again, this is the <laughs> therapy part that maybe it's coming out. I was told to uh, ask you this by your team. No, I'm just kidding. That's exactly. Anonymous, <laughs> anonymously, right? Um, I had an anonymous tip that came in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, it's a real challenge. And so things that I've encouraged individuals that I've coached, leaders that I've coached, and I'm doing this myself, is in those situations, how you're how you're leaning on sort of three three things. You know, one, we've already talked about how you're intentionally seeking um, to gain additional context, but you're using what you're gathering from those questions and the seeking to test, right? Mm-hmm. So it feels like 
this is the challenge. It feels like the dynamic that I'm hearing is here because of X, Y, Z factors, and you're trying to drive X. Is, but is that right? Am I putting the pieces together? You know, that, that helps in the unfamiliar territory for maybe you to connect the dots. And then if you're right, that person can sort of validate that. Or if you're not, then they'll give you information you can pivot, right? So mm -hmm. you're seeking, you're testing, and you're adjusting in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that applies to any coaching conversation, especially when you're taking on, um, you're coaching individuals or you're um, having conversations that is new territory for you personally, but you still need to guide and support. Um, how you're see asking the right questions to seek and test and then adjust accordingly as you gain new information that that nimbleness as a coach, I think, becomes even more important in those scenarios where you just haven't had that firsthand experience yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes a lot more about um, solving the problem with someone, I suppose, rather than <laughs> I've got just the thing for you. I know how to do that. Right. And I've been transparent. You know, it's like I'll lead a lot of times with. You know, I don't have expertise in that particular area, so I'm just going to kind of put the pieces together. And then you tell me, you tell me where I'm on and where I'm off. But it feels like this, or it sounds like this, um, and the implications of that are X. Mm -hmm. Is that is that tracking though? Is that how well is that aligning to the challenge that you, you you've got in front of you right now? And then that opens up a whole dialogue again, that can give you more anchors and help you feel more comfortable and then allow you to be more prescriptive when you need to in those conversations. Oh, Patrick, that's so that's so helpful. And I think those questions you mentioned earlier, I imagine, are probably super helpful at this point as well. Of it sounds like you're you're facing this barrier and and you can't and you can't reach it. You can't overcome it because of of X. Um, that just seems like such a powerful way to go about it. Um, so the last thing I'll ask you, you've been wonderful about sharing some of your um, personal experiences on on this uh, podcast, but I'll ask you to share one more and I because I always end all of my podcasts with this, but I wanted to ask you about a moment of leadership that changed your life. It doesn't have to be about coaching, um, but something that changed you for good or for bad. So um something along the lines of you know it was could be something that made you say hey i want to do more with leadership what an inspiration or others who are like i will never be that leader <laughs> so yeah. it's a moment of leadership that changed your life you know we all have we all have our stories right both good and bad and so yeah. um I'll, I'll focus in on a high note right so i'll focus on one that was <laughs> more impactful great. It's less of a specific example. It's more, though, of a leader that um, has a personal impact on me early in my career to the point now they sort of are my like my inner barometer for mm -hmm. when I have to face challenging leadership situations or I have to help coach someone through something that's challenging and I don't know right off the bat what I'm going to do. I kind of think back to, well, how would this person do it? You know, and I think mm -hmm. that's a, the fact that my mind goes there naturally, I think is a testament to the impact this person had uh, on me in my career. The, but the reason that person always comes to mind is um, they really embodied a lot of things that we talked about. Um, they, they saw me as a whole person, right? So mm -hmm. that leader was really focused on helping me professionally, but understanding that um, we're all human. We all have personal lives, and that's a part of the equation. And 
And that impacts, obviously, who we are at work as well. And he was very cognizant of that, um, which when you're early in your career, too, I think that's really good for you to experience uh, because you take that with you. Um, He was also really transparent when he didn't have an answer for something or when something um, was really hairy and complex and hard. He was transparent about that. I remember being at a, a client site for a large scale project that we had. Stuff had uh, stuff had hit the fan, uh, shall we say? And um, <laughs> you know, there was other team members that had to unexpectedly were not in the equation anymore. And so it was really just him and I that had to figure this out. And I remember him looking at me at that hotel lobby around. Okay, this isn't great. Um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go, um, call my kids real quick. Cause I haven't talked to them all day and I just need to sort of step away. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are then going to meet at the hotel bar. We're going to have a drink and then we're going to figure out, uh, sort of this mess that's in front of us. It's going to be messy, but we'll figure it out. Um, and the world isn't ending. Right. And yeah. so that helped just sort of calm my anxiety. And another thing you mentioned was I don't have an answer right now, but we'll have the right answer. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, that level of transparency, I think, was that's something I continue to take forward. Um, and then, you know, being willing to roll up his sleeves with me to get things done, not not just sort of pontificate on what's the right thing to do, but roll up his sleeves to actually get down and dirty and make those things happen when I, that was something that I really needed. Um, yeah. So all those pieces, you know, I think it's it's not it's less about a moment. It's more about those behaviors, how they culminated together. But um, those are pieces that I just take to me into this day now that I've been in various leadership roles that I think help keep me grounded, especially in those moments where there isn't a clear answer. I loved that that leader also showed their own, um, a little bit of their own vulnerability and saying like, yeah, you know what, this was upsetting and I, I need a minute too. I need to talk to mm-hmm. my family. And and so we're going to solve it together. But um the piece of taking a taking a minute, even for themselves, not saying like you probably need a minute, but I'm strong. I, I'm good to go. <laughs> like, like we're both right. gonna take a minute because we probably need to decompress and then we'll solve the problem. Um, really, such a powerful story. As have all of your stories been today, Patrick. Um, I cannot thank you enough for being here today on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. No, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the good questions. And thank you to our listeners who took part of their 480 minutes to be with us today. And remember to make every moment of leadership count.